I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co-host, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis. This is a, a fun episode, kind of an intro, a, a precursor, a teaser, if you will, into what we've been planning on doing for the WNBA offseason. Uh, real quick, Rachel, say hi, and I'll give a little breakdown, and we'll get into it. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. So Rachel and I have been talking about this for a very long time, also with Pat, and Pat's going to get in on this too, not on this episode, um, unable to be with us today, but essentially the WNBA season ends and all these players go overseas, start working their behinds off uh, the rest of the year, the rest of the calendar year, so they get like a total of a month off, but we don't often know a lot about what goes on overseas, what's going on on these other teams. Now this year we've seen a growth in the coverage by, you know, the, the leagues overseas and how they're promoting it. Um, and there's a lot of question marks there and there's a lot of information that WNBA fans just frankly don't know. And we are going to try and shed some light on that. That means we're going to be speaking to players who are playing overseas currently then and playing the WNBA. That means we're going to talk to players who are playing overseas and don't play in the WNBA. And we can talk about the differences in that. We're going to be talking to some overseas coaches. We're going to be talking to WNBA coaches and how they evaluate what's going on overseas and translate that into what that means for the WNBA season and their rosters. Um, and we're going to talk to basically anybody we can find who can shed a light, give us some education on what goes on in day-to-day life to year-round life from the most minuscule to the most major information of overseas life. Um, Rachel, want want to add anything to that? No, I mean, I I think uh, this is a big topic. And um, I I don't know that, (laughs) I don't even know that I necessarily understand how, how broad this is, you know? So we're talking about an entire globe here. We're talking about different levels. We're talking about different continents, you know? So this is, uh, there's a lot of ways in which, this can be covered. It's very difficult to cover, as you guys have probably already noticed if you are trying to cover it. Um, props to everyone who's getting that information out there, who, you know, to the, to, to the teams in the league who are, you know, kind of doing that overseas tracker, if you will, and people who are putting out live links to watch these women play. Um, I think we're seeing for the first time really a big push for that. And I'm, I'm excited about that. I think it's great. Uh, but there's still a lot of questions. You know, there's still a lot that um, probably your average everyday person doesn't understand, let alone me, who I operate a business <laughs> all over the world. So um, it's, it's, it's a very um, interesting world, if you will. Um, and it's something I'm deeply passionate about. And so I'm excited to kind of really bring in some, some people that I'm close to, um, some women from the league, just to kind of tell their stories. Like I said, this is a, this is a, this is something that's a big part of their life uh, for for a greater percentage of the year. They're over there um, playing their, playing their tails off, you know? So I think it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I think we're going to hear some really cool stories. I think we're going to get a lot of um, shed a lot of light and education on the entire thing. Oh yeah. I mean, like for instance, on the most basic level, what goes on? How do these women get over there? You know, during the WNBA season, their agents are getting contacts from overseas teams. Maybe even after the WNBA season is over, they're getting contacted and saying, hey, we have this injury or, hey, we got this roster spot and this much money. You want to come over here and play? Um, highly regarded. Sometimes the players don't get paid uh, and they end up quitting. I believe it was Tina Charles, I want to say, who last year left her team because she didn't get paid. You know, that is not an uncommon thing. Also, 
another interesting topic will be that we'll hopefully we'll be able to cover is overseas balls not created equal. You know, Australian Basketball League is different than the Turkish League. The Russian leagues are different than the Spanish League. And it's interesting to know and to figure out just a little bit of, oh, this league's a little bit more physical. This league's a little bit more fast and and all these different things. And then the major leagues, it's more of, Rachel, am I right to say it's more of like a soccer-esque style overseas where they, you know, you have teams that play in multiple different leagues? If you will, give or take. Um, it, it's it's hard to, like I said, I think getting someone who could even explain that greater to us. I mean, if you're talking Euro League, and, and again, there's different leagues um, just specifically we could break down. But yeah, you, you know, there's it's a little bit confusing. And it's even confusing for me <laughs> to sit here and try and look at it and say, well, what, what is this game? Is this just a friendly competition where they're just kind of a tune-up? Um, or now have we fully gotten into Euro League play? Um, what does that mean in terms of playoff um, competition down the road? Um, you know, so, so you do see a lot of that, but you know, that's a, that's a, I think that's a great question. Uh, one that we probably should ask a lot of different people on the show is, is you know, just about the scheduling of it. What does that What does that look like? You know, you look at like a college season. You see, college teams are playing a bunch of non conference games. They can play anybody around the country, and then you get into that conference season. Well, it, what what does that structure look like in comparison to? some of these overseas leagues, um, some of these other um, leagues we see, you know, across the globe. So um, again, you know, we, we could, talk, we could talk recruiting, we could talk money, we could talk a lot of different areas with it. Um, but honestly, I think that it's important to note that what, what you brought up originally was that there are specific countries that have the money, you know, um, like for me, I played in Spain and that sounds really, really cool. Um, but Spain, in comparison to Russia or Turkey, they're not on the same playing field. You know, it'd, it'd be like comparing, um, you know, Division One basketball to like NAIA basketball, if you will. Um, there's just not the funding. There's not the money. That's it, they just don't they don't play on that same level. Now, that's not talking about national team competition. So that's another area of this too, where Spain say their national team, as we as as you know anyone who kind of knows, they're they're one of the more dominant, probably top five in the world in teams in terms of just their level of competition. But those women are going on and playing in different countries because there's no money in Spain to pay them, you know, on that just league level. So it's interesting, you know, you, that's why you see a lot of these women, the WBA going over to Russia. Um, They're in Turkey. Those those are two of the biggest. You see China. That's where the money is. That's where um, these big private owners, um, they're, they're millionaires, millionaires, billionaires, and, and they're investing in money that they can into this hobby, if you will, um, and, and they can pay these women, you know, a great deal, which is why they go do it. Well, l- let's talk about your experience a little bit in WNBA, or it wouldn't be WNBA, but overseas basketball. Um, you know, where, all right, let's start off with the most basic. Where did you live? I lived in uh, Huelva, Spain, which is just south of Sevilla. So, um, right, Sounds fancy. Right, it took me like, I don't even know if I'm still pronouncing it right, to be honest with you. But honestly, I was far from Madrid. I was not near Barcelona. It was kind of more so on the coast near Portugal. So it was really pretty. Um, it was really funny. We actually, we started doing our conditioning, which again, I played lower to mid-level division one basketball. I was never going to be good enough to play in the WNBA. Um, but I was good enough to go play overseas. And, uh, it was, you know, you're used to conditioning here where you, you get on the line and you're just running down the backs or you're getting on the track or you're running stadiums or, you know, you're, you have a certain, there's a certain American mentality in terms of just, basketball conditioning 
And uh, I'll never forget the first day we get there, our coach takes us down to the beach and he's like, okay, run 30 minutes that way and then run 30 minutes back. And we're, we're barefoot, just like running on the beach. Um, and I'm six, I'm a six, two center. I'm by no means setting the world on fire in terms of, you know, my ability to, to run fast or anything, but like I take off. Rachel, I, I, I know that's, that's like what, how you ID'd your height yeah. when you were going up against competition. You can be honest now you're like six, five, <laughs> not six, five. Anyway, <laughs> I take off and I'm looking over and like the, the, the girls on my team, God love them. I mean, they're, they are running or acting like they're running at, at a pace that is like slower than my walk. And so it was like they were pumping their arms, but just like slow walking. And like I'm, a power walk? Not even a power walk. And I'm like, this is running? Like, is this conditioning for you? And I remember thinking to myself, like, what? And so we just like trotted along for 30 minutes. And we turned around and came back. And I was like, that was my first experience of just level of just like conditioning and how hard you go. Um, and that was like, where, where were the majority of your, your teammates from? They were from Spain. We did have one other American, and that's important to, to note. You know, there, we talk about the WNBA players going overseas, uh, but in the grand scheme of it, there are there there are so many, probably an even larger percentage of former Division One players that go over there, um, and they're playing all over the world. Um, some of them that are not in the WNBA. So their only option is to go over there. Maybe they're that fringe level, or maybe they're like me, you know, they played at a lower division one and, and they're good enough to play on a lower level club in Spain um, and make a little bit of a career out of it. Um, but you're seeing, I mean, you know, if there's 25% of them are, are WNBA players, that's probably being really generous. There's another 75% of them um, of just former division one elite level basketball players who are over there making this a career um, well into their thirties. So, um, there, there's a lot of women over there and we'll get them on here too. I know this is a WNBA podcast, but it's interesting just to hear these stories because what we're trying to educate on is just what it's like for life over there. Oh yeah. We're going to want to bring in, you know, like former WNBA players too, who can talk about what it used to be like. Cause, and this is another thing that's not as documented. We've heard a little bit about it. If you really, uh, you know, keep your nose close to the info, but some of that money in overseas ball is drying up. And that's kind of like a strong arm of the CBA negotiations of like, there might be a little bit more job security to a certain extent for the 144 players of the WNBA than there is overseas with some of that money drying up. Um, but back to you, Rachel. So did you live in like a team housing or how did that work? Well, you see a lot of times, um, you know, you're provided housing, you're provided a car, you're provided a cell phone. These are all things that are negotiated within your contract. Um, and again, I'm talking about just my basic level, um, you know, that I was playing at. I was making 3,000 euros a month. So it's, you know, that that's not a, a lot of money in comparison to what's being thrown around, around out there. But for someone like me, for my first job, I'll take it. Um, so no, I mean, I, I had an apartment with the other American. We lived with one other Spanish girl. Um, I ended up never getting my car, which, you know, was supposed to be my contract. So we would walk to practice. I genuinely felt like what's her face from loving basketball, run into the gym every day. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I did get a phone that was ancient way later than I was expected. Um, our internet was supposed to, or our, our apartment was supposed to have internet. We didn't end up getting Monica Wright. Monica Wright. Yeah. We didn't end up getting internet for like a month later than what I was supposed to be. And ultimately my situation unfortunately turned into 
um, what you hear so much about and is very common. And I, I don't, I don't know that there's probably anyone who has gone overseas and played who has not run into this, but I, I ended up not getting paid. And so ultimately um, I had a decision to make, was I going to continue to keep playing and looking for different clubs or. Um, did they, when, when you say you didn't get paid, did they pay for you to come out and then they just never paid another check after that? Or like, how did that work? Like they, they paid for my, my flight. So they flew me out there. And again, I had a contract. All these things are written in there. Um, they, they flew me out there. Um, they gave me a hundred euros when I first got there just to kind of get me started, uh, which I blew immediately on food. Um, <laughs> and then for the rest of the time I was living off just my own, my own personal money, just kind of waiting for the, for those, um, for that money to come, if you will. And I was so ignorant and naive, you know, um, you have a lot of people who, who've done it now. They'll say, Hey, don't accept checks. Don't accept it this way. Don't accept it that way. Get cash. You know, there's a lot of, um, whatever. And so, so ultimately it ended up turning into a situation where my contract was broken. They owed me a bunch of money because of, it just, they just started kind of messing with me. Ultimately they didn't want me anymore. I guess I suck. Um, and so hey, if, they, hey, you're off. if they were going to cut, if they were going to cut me, um, they were going to have to pay me a certain amount of money. And ultimately they paid me in checks, um, to break my contract. I took the checks. I ended up leaving at like three in the morning. It was really shady. Some taxi driver came and picked me up and drove me to Portugal. Um, it was really bizarre. And then I came back and all the checks bounced and it just turned into um, just this crazy um, learning experience for me as someone who just, I mean, <laughs> at that time in my life, I didn't know anyone who had done that. Um, I didn't know anyone who had gone over there. I was just going into it completely blind. And so, I mean, there, there's a lot of horror stories similar to that, but there's a lot of incredible stories too. Um, the, the ability to go see the world. And, and it's, it's not about, it was never necessarily about the money for me. It was about the opportunity to see the world. It was about the opportunity to play on a different level, um, to say that I did it, um, to open my eyes to different cultures and things like that. And so I know there's an element of that that's exciting, um, and a lot of players do enjoy that part of it and seeing the world, but there's also parts of it where you do have the horror stories. You do have, you know, some of these women playing in some of the n really not ideal places and situations where sometimes their safety is a concern. Um, so again, these are all topics we'll talk about, but you know, for me, I don't regret it one, one bit. Sometimes I think about, man, I wish, I wish I was still, I would have played a little longer. Um, I wish I could have given it another shot, but I'll just, I'll stick to the old women, uh, um, old women league right now and just kind of keep it in the half court. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, thanks for letting me talk about it a little bit. That, that was a fun time in my life. And, um, like I said, I, I think it's going to be great to hear a lot more stories as we, as we continue on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Hey, you're going to be having some flashbacks <laughs> as we start to, uh, get some conversations with these players. It's going to be an exciting time. We're going to create like a fun little name for this, these segments. Um, and we hope to get some really cool, uh, really cool information to educate the fans. So hopefully we can bring something that, you know, when when we were following the league less as reporters, more as fans, it was it was always frustrating not to be able to get this information. We always said, Rachel, like when we first met, we always talked about how like the season doesn't end because if these players are playing forever, then like how does our coverage end? And I kind of always say this and I know it doesn't really make sense, but I view overseas ball to a certain extent as a training camp um for these players to really find craft their tunes i know or not their tunes their <laughs> skills their tools um looney tunes you know um but but you know they can really fine tune it and it's interesting as someone who covers the WNBA, 
I, I look as the WNBA as their real job. But as Simone Augustus, one of my favorite players of all time, regularly mentioned uh, when she did, I think it was like the Players' Tribune or something, um, uninterrupted or, or whatever it was. She did a video from Russia a few years ago, and she was talking about it. She's like, look, real fact is I get paid a lot more over here than I do in the W. So if you think about it that way, this is my real job, and that's my part-time job, and this one comes first. Mm-hmm. Um so that's always, it's been an interesting dichotomy of, of figuring out how to view this, but it's going to be a lot of fun for us to cover this, and uh, I'm excited for what we do. So this has been WNBA Insider Show. I'm Aria Schwartz. The smarter voice is Rachel Galligan. Each week, different topics important to the W using X's and O's along with key stats. We will bring you coverage of overseas back.